Welcome to the My Haunt Life Podcast. Hello and welcome to the My Haunt Life Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. And Russell, we just finished another 16 shows at Fringe. Yes, we did. Uh, some of them we both did and some of them I finally was able to do that you had done before and vice versa. Yep, so I caught on a few that you had recommended to me and I'm really happy about that. Yeah, so we're, we're evening out. And this is technically the third week, but really the second official week because of that preview week. So um, I guess I'll go first. Uh, I started off my week with Bloody Awful. And Bloody Awful is two shows for the price of one. Uh, so there, there's two shows and each one is about a half hour. And they're both just dark comedies with like with horror in definite horror in it as well. Cool. They're so fun. The first one is called The Callback. And for any horror fans or any Stephen King fans, you will probably relate this one to Misery. It's the story of a girl who doesn't get a callback to it to an audition. And you can imagine what happens, especially with that Misery reference. Um, but the great thing about this one was the girl, she's so happily psychotic. Okay. And and I know you know that type because yes. you've seen him in movies where like, okay, yeah. And then I went this, but what about this? But they're so cheery and upbeat, but they're psychotic. Yeah. And I, I may or may not have dated one in my past. Just, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that back. <laughs> yeah. You're the one who brought it up. <laughs> This one was really fun. And the back and forth between the two characters, Molly and Mr. Ashford, it's just, it's so funny. And it gets to a point, you know, we're talking about like, you know, character emotions and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Thanks a lot, Russell. But even though she's in the wrong, you start to care for her and want her to win. Wow. Because the the director, who's Mr. Ashford, is just kind of like the more he talks, the more it's like, I don't like this guy. You're kind of deserving what you get, even though he's really not doing anything wow. wrong. Okay. Yeah. So uh, anything else I say is probably going to be a spoiler. So um, I'll just leave it at that. But it's definite fun. The next show, this was so good. Uh, this one's called The Slaughterhouse. And I, I think I... I I was ecstatic when I was telling you about this one because this should be made into some sort of sitcom because it's so <laughs> awesome. And it's the story of Kurt and Kurt gets an apartment with three other roommates. Those three other roommates are serial killers. And the only reason they let him move in was because they thought he was a serial killer. The sitcom possibilities of that are endless. I know it in in that, and they kind of play it like a sitcom because it's just the, there's everyday problems um, that only that you and I have. You know, like oh, we have a clog in the sink. You know, but when you add three serial killers, <laughs> you know that clog is something different. For example, and it's just uh, it, it's just so much fun. You know, and. They mix the horror with the comedy, and like it's perfect. And it's definitely more of a comedy than a, than a horror play. But man, uh, and then the hijinks really get going when Kurt's girlfriend comes to visit. <laughs> so right there, it's like, uh, and the great thing is there's there's one actor, and he plays a a Russian, and he's a serial killer, and. The things he says in his accent are so good, especially when he has a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the girlfriend. And they just talk about relationships and feelings, but her feelings are about a man he loves or she loves, and but his everything he's saying is about killing. And it's like, <laughs> you know that, and it's just it makes it that much more funny. I'm looking forward to this. Actually, I do have a ticket for this later this week, Mike. Yeah, I'm excited. You're going to like it a lot. Just from your description the other night, uh, I, I saw you, I think, right after you left this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you were very happy and, and were excited about this. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, I really hope that somehow this gets re like reworked and extended into like a full a full thing. Oh, because... the premise sounds like it could completely be a full-length play. Oh, yeah, with different different episodes 
or something. I don't know. Do plays have episodes? Like a part two? I don't know. I'm new <laughs> to this have world, sequels. Man. There you go. There can be sequels. The Slaughterhouse Part Two. The Kentucky Cycle. Horton Foote has been writing cycles of plays that go on forever about his family. So yeah, you okay. can definitely do that. Nice. Oh. I hope this happens. That is the first Horton Foot reference we have ever had on My Haunt Life. <laughs> ah, as long as he's got two of them. So, uh, wow. Anyways, uh, Bloody Awful. If you're into horror comedy, definitely check it out. And then later that night, I finally got to see The Rise and Fall of Dracula. Yes. Because I was originally supposed to see it a week prior, but I had a rise and fall of my own. Uh, the, really? The puns don't stop. Your 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 scooter experiment? Yes. The scooter experience? It was immersive. Uh, it, it sounds like it. So It was site-specific, too. So, so is, is your scooter dead? It's, I, I think I'm not going to get it fixed and sell it as is. The scooter died. Because it's got like 40,000 miles on it. So, okay. I mean, how many, how many more miles can you put on a Vespa? Uh, okay. I don't know. You know? I've never Vespa'd. Yeah. It's probably for the better. Uh, anyway, back to the rise and yeah. fall of Dracula. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I finally got to see it. And every you talked about this last week. And it's everything that you said. It was it was great. And, you know, the the real not well not real but the metal knives and it makes such a difference when in those fight scenes when it hits the floor and you're like oh man this is real yeah there's a uh it's i was trying not to be uh you know too on the nose because i knew you were going to go see it um but yeah there's there's battle sequences and there's fights and they're using weapons that you in such an intimate space like it just it amps up the threat level that you feel by being close to someone who's literally fighting for their lives. It's a it's an immersive piece that the audience quite often surrounds the actors uh, very, very close quarters. Yeah, and I don't really have too much more to add than you did because did, we just... Did be... you like the mix of genres? The fact that it's it's like there's dance, there's straight drama, there's sort of balletic, acrobatic, you know, uh, action sequences. It's like, cause that was one of the things that I enjoyed about it. Yeah. I'm beginning to appreciate that stuff more. Mm -hmm. Um, just cause it, like I'm seeing it more right. and I'm exposed to it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice and you know, but of course I'm going to like the fight scenes better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and what did you think of uh, having Dracula as a female lead? It doesn't matter to me. You know, I mean, there's been, this is, like 120 years old this story oh yeah so of course you have to change things you have to update things you have to make it different in order to get people to want to see it so the fact that it's a dracula uh female dracula like it, it doesn't matter to me i the the one thing that it did for me is i thought it made the 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 relationship between her when she finally gets a friend that relationship what develops in that relationship i thought it made it much more hurtful because it was rather than because there is no romantic entanglement there. It's more of a betrayal of a confidant than it is, you know, like a, a romantic betrayal. So I thought that was like, oh, that's really painful. You know, if, if a friend did that to me, I would be really, really hurt. And it, it obviously runs through the rest of the show. The ramifications of that betrayal um, have dire, dire consequences for numerous people. So, yeah, I, I liked this show. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, the only thing I had a, an issue with is at times, um, because this is an immersive piece and you're walking through um, Stephanie Fury's studios, whenever they had hallway scenes, it was hard to see what the action happening. It's a narrow hallway. Yeah, and, you know, Noah was with me and there was another uh, person behind him. Uh, the second time we do that, they were just hanging back in that other room because they couldn't get a space to see. So it... It wasn't a huge issue um, because like 90% of the show was fine. Mm -hmm. um, but just like those couple scenes, it's like, ooh, there might be too many people. But, you know, I don't oh, know. That, that's interesting. The night that I saw it, I think our audience became aware of that and I think self-policed itself. Oh, cool. So because there, there was a one time when I remember I was sitting, uh, standing opposite a doorway and, and a woman literally reached out and touched another patron and pulled her into the room. Oh, wow. And like, no, we're making room for you. That's like, cool. Because there was someone out in the hallway and I was like, oh, that's interesting that, that they didn't come in and they didn't make it all the way in before the scene started. Uh, but no, I, I do like this show, but I agree with you. That hallway is, is brutal sometimes on the sidelines. 
the next thing I did, and I'm doing all of these before you even uh, done one this week. Yeah, that's crazy. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I think you had a night before me. Yeah. Um, I went to see Emergency Operation, and this is another one that is just this is this was just great. It, it's another dark comedy, okay. and it's the premise of it is amazing, and I think it definitely works for everybody because we've all been in this spot before. The premise is. Uh, a girl cheats on her boyfriend and he's so heartbroken that he goes and has an emergency operation uh, to, okay. to fix his heart. Hence the name of the show. Th- that's Emergency Operations. That's why I said it, <laughs> Russell. Oh, come on. I was trying to turn that into a joke. No support from the other side. Okay. All right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Continue. <gasps> Where's that shaking my head sound effect? Okay. All right. <laughs> So he gets his heart broken and then he goes to the doctor to have this operation to remove the hurt from his heart. And, I wish that were possible. Yeah. <laughs> and when he comes out, it's kind of like um, um, he had like a heart lobotomy in a way. Ooh. You know, so he comes out and he's happy and cheerful and it just, it's, it, it really hits home, man, because Everyone has had their heart broken mm-hmm. and everybody wishes it could be that easy to fix it. Yeah. And it's just, there's so many fun jokes in this show. Um, you know, like asking if his insurance will pay for it, you know, like, like things like that. Um, there was a, another person in the waiting room, um, that has a, a physical gag that pays off and it's awesome. It's cool. just, it's so funny, but it's one of those shows that it just makes you reflect about certain points in your life, mm-hmm. you know, because going through, because I think some people can relate to Adam who had his heart broken and some could relate to Kelsey who broke his heart by kissing another guy. And when you see it happen from the outside looking in and think about how you might have been in that spot before it just, it gets to you. After I talked to you about this, cause you saw this, I think the same day that you saw, um, or the, or the day after you saw the horror, other horror comedy. Um, I, I think I'm going to try to fit this in this week. I, I, I was looking at the schedule early earlier today and I think I can. Oh, awesome. So yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I'm going to do my best to make it. Yeah. I think you'll like it a lot. Yeah. It sounds like I would. And another thing I want to point out are the songs in between set changes. Each, okay. Each song seems to be part of a Broken Heart mixtape. Oh, my. They're all themed, and they're all perfect. Oh, that's funny. And it's great. Oh, cool. Yeah, so you should definitely check this out because it's, right. it's awesome. Cool. And then we actually uh, we met up after that show, right? Yeah. And we saw a play called A Void. Mm-hmm. And it, it's funny because for me, I think I joked about this to you that night was about had a theme for me and mm-hmm. it was about trying to fix your problems by not confronting them and dealing with outside resources to fix them wow because that is exactly what avoid is about that's for sure mm-hmm. in a very 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 outlandish and funny way uh, avoid uh, this was one that you pointed me toward mike because i i hadn't noticed it yet in the fringe guide and and you said you were going so i joined you and um the thing about this for me is it's a story of two sisters who go to a service that basically will offer to cryogenically freeze you for a chosen period of time. Right. It's instead of killing yourself, yes. you can freeze yourself. So basically they don't want you to kill yourself. They want, well, obviously they want you to buy their service, yes. um, but you can freeze yourself until all of your problems pass and there, because suicide is, is permanent. And, and some of the options that come up during the show, I thought were hysterically funny. You know, the, the, whether it's a six month plan or a year plan, how soft is the pillow that you'll be resting <laughs> on, uh, whether or not certain memories will, if you have dreams, can they be stored? And if so, what's the storage cost? All of that I thought was just, like really really humorous yeah but the thing that i loved about this mike the relationship between the two sisters so completely uncomfortably painful and honest yeah like this i i i 
I, I think I said it to you that night was I felt like we were overhearing something we were not supposed to overhear because the brutal honesty that comes out between like what you've done to me in the past. No, you did that to me. Oh, wait, I thought you were this this place of your life and you lied. And like all of this comes out because one sister feels that she's about to lose the other sister for a long period of time. So it becomes like this last chance to get in the digs. And man, the, the, the two performers, the two actresses who were named Mary Holland and Rachel Sondag, man, they nailed this relationship performance wise. It was so passive aggressive and, and it's, it's like and literally every glance, every hand gesture seemed to reveal like years of pent up frustration. Mm-hmm. I loved watching the two of them. Yeah, and you by the end of the show, you realize just how well they know each other. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that yeah, yes, we can't say any more because that would definitely be a spoiler. But wow, you do learn a lot. But it makes you wonder. I mean, if you know, with the way technology is going right now, I don't not see this happening at some point. It's possible, you know, like a service that handles this kind of stuff it's like instead of suicide you can freeze yourself like i couldn't ever see myself contemplating saying yes to that well you can't handle the cold (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) but no but in all seriousness i i bet this could happen at some point Uh, it's creepy to think but yes i you're probably right and then you saw something with that was named after one of your idols, right? Oh, <laughs> I saw a show called Too Many Hitlers or The Decoy Decameron. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hitler's not one of Russell's idols. Please don't take that serious. <laughs> Send the hate mail to Mike at myhotlap.com. Hey, he's your idol. <laughs> no, he's not. This is, um, I love the premise for this show and the premises, and I believe this is based in reality, that there there were physical decoys for Hitler and I know other leaders of the world have done this where they will send out a body double or something uh, for fear of assassination attempts or something. So the idea behind the show is near the end of the war, all of the decoys, all of the people who've been imitating Hitler all end up in the same room together. Nice. So hilarity ensues, basically. And you have part of them claiming, because their job is to claim that they are always Hitler, so some of them never let go of the the ruse of, no, I'm Hitler. Really? I'm Hitler. No, no, no. Trust me. I'm Hitler. <laughs> you have a lot of that going on with a few of them. I really hope no one <laughs> takes that part <laughs> and co- it comes back to haunt you <laughs> later in life. And then some of the other ones are like, oh, come on. This was a job. It was an acting gig. It was just something I did. They called me. I said, yes, whatever. It's like, look, we're going to move on to something. The war's ending. You know, like there's other opportunities. Let's get out of here. So that mix becomes so over the top farce that it really works well. I mean, this I thought, you know, and also, you know, I'm going to say the name Mel Brooks came to mind at one point. But Mel Brooks is so tied to, um, you know, uh, Springtime for Hitler that that I don't want that's not the connection I made. Just the tone of this piece I brought to to my mind Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner. Okay, because, you know, classic comedy. But and I think that's part of my problem with it. You know, kudos to the cast for throwing themselves at it. It's it's really over the top energy. There's some really, really funny, rich stuff here. But as far as goes, I thought that it was all one note and it didn't really escalate to something. And the final moments of the show could have been really sort of haunting and touching, but they don't go there because it's all sort of the same note. They don't build to that. It's a minor quibble. But, you know, I thought the premise had even more comedy potential if they'd either played it completely sincere, which would have been a way to to really amp up the ridiculousness of it. Um, but it, like I said, it's a minor quibble that just the premise itself carries so much comedy gold in it that this was really fun. Uh, I just wish it had built to something more by the end of it. But still, I I would recommend if you want goofy comedy this ranks in that category of the fringe definitely nice 
Yeah, it was this, fun. It yeah, was this, fun. I'm going to see if I can make this one because this was on my list originally. Yeah. But mm-hmm. just haven't been able to fit it in. Yeah, it's like I said, I, I think I think the silliness of it works very, very well. I just wish that there would have been more heart to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, but still, very funny. Just the premise of it is just so funny. And then you went to see something that I saw and texted you immediately after I saw it saying, you need to see this. Charlatan, Secrets of the Victorian Psychics. This was so much fun. And it's so, like, like we, we talked about this on the last podcast, and I think you gave the perfect description. It's this mixture of lecture with magic, with psychology, with some hypnosis. It, it, it was a really, really, I just really loved, I, I was, this is one of those fringe shows that it ended and I was actually sad because I wanted it to be longer. I know exactly what you mean because yeah, I, I felt the same way. I absolutely wanted more from this guy as far as information. And he just, it's this guy, uh, Dr. Mark Gasson, um, who comes out and basically says, hey, let's talk about this stuff that, that was man- manipulating people and how did it or, or originate and, and like what were the tricks of the trade? And even though he doesn't really reveal a lot of the tricks of the trade, he does point to the psychology of the tricks of the trade and how you can be manipulated. Even to this day, advertising manipulates us. We're manipulated every day in this world. So just him pointing to this made me more aware of stuff like like the like images and it was i thought it was interesting because when we paired notes we were both chosen from the audience yeah for the same thing thing, which was a process of judging people by looks alone and a series of photographs that he had which leads to a very interesting observation about how we judge people on face value well it's funny too because if going along with this show mm-hmm. we could play into it and be like oh my god he knew there was a connection with you because of me and that's why he picked you <laughs> well uh, a victorian age psychic if they were if they were aware of a, po- a podcast that we shared together they absolutely would have used that information a podcast in the victorian age <laughs> really <laughs> victorian styles and etiquette with mike and russell the podcast is just morse code on a wire (laughs) yeah it takes forever to download but man is it really good anyways (laughs) um but yeah i I agree with everything you said and i really hope that he does more shows or absolutely i mean even though it was an hour long it felt like it was 15 minutes so yeah it went by really fast it really feels that way i agree and that's that only happens when you're really interested and engaged Mm so kudos to you that was the end of my evening, and the next day I got up and I went to see something which I'd been really looking forward to, The Second Coming of Klaus Kinski. And one of the reasons that I really was looking forward to this is I'd heard that the performance was good. It's a... Actually, that's a lie. I'd heard the performance was amazing by an actor named Andrew Perez, who I encountered briefly in the Tension Experiences Ascension last year. Uh, which was the live show. Um, and I encountered him a couple of different scenes my first time through that immersive piece. He was so intense, and it really struck me, and it became one of my favorite moments from my first show, even though we we shared like five or six sentences together, Mike. That was it. Yeah. This guy left that kind of a mark on me. And so when I heard that he was going to do a show about Klaus Kinski, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'm I'm not that familiar with Klaus Kinski, and I would like to say that you don't have to be extremely familiar with the work of Klaus Kinski to see this show because the show is actually about a man wrestling with all the demons of life, everything from creative uh, urges from sexual to, you know, dealing with everyday life, but he lives everything in such a passionate manner that it's all consuming. So this performance is completely physical and completely his vocal characterization. If you've ever heard Kinski speak, he nails it. And it is like this man is possessed by Klaus Kinski. And it's like watching Klaus Kinski having a fever dream or a nightmare and fighting his way through his entire life in one hour. It is incredibly intense it is wonderful to witness this performance. It's, it's in ways terrifying 
because it is so freaking intense. That's awesome. I ah, I don't know if I can make it to this one. I'm trying to fit it in, but... This is the first time... I, I've seen standing ovations at Fringe. The audience was so enthusiastic at the performance I went to, they demanded a second curtain call. Wow. Just as an audience, we wouldn't stop applauding until he came back out on stage a second time. We did not accept a single curtain call. And that was unanimous in the audience. You could feel it. You know, and it was just, it was that just uh, like he made us passionate about the passion of the show, if that makes any sense. Um, this is hands down the most intense thing I've seen. Uh, intensity wise, this is up there with normal. Oh, wow. But completely different subject matter, obviously. Of course. <laughs> but I mean, it's that intense. Like, yeah, it just, I cannot praise Andrew Perez's performance enough. And the show is fascinating because you're watching a man wrestle with demons and he wrestles hard. He does not go down without a fight. And in some cases, I think he wins. I mean, just based on the feedback of everybody I know that have seen this, I, it, this has got to have an extension. Oh, I hope so. I, I hope so. Well, that's awesome, man. And that did that close out your night? I uh, know that was the beginning of my following day. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was just the beginning. Hold on. Wow. But... I was I was exhausted one hour into my day after that. So and then I met up with you. Mm-hmm. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna take that away. <laughs> no, I know. That's why I didn't. <laughs> okay. Um we went met up and went to another magic show. And this one is called The New Bad Boys of Magic. And about halfway through this show, Russell, I leaned over to you and said something. <laughs> and watching the show, I leaned over and I told Russell, I'm like, dude, this is like if you and I did magic. Because one guy is the perverted, swearing guy, and the other guy is a nice guy and, you know, in a suit with you know, feelings and stuff. Yeah. And, and it was just the combination of the two of them together was so great. Yeah. This, this was, they make quite the team. I thoroughly enjoyed this show. The two men in the show are Daniel Donahue and Eric Siegel and their comedy and magic chops. Both are, are just top notch. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that we talked about as soon as we got out is like the skill for there's a, there's a card, show i guess you would call it <laughs> that they do it becomes a show within a show basically yeah and the skill used to do what they did i mean every magician has a ton of skill don't get me wrong but there was so much going on and happening that to be able to coordinate everything that was ha that was going on at that time to make it work it was just like it's constantly how do they do that yeah they tell a story uh the the story of the entire show the new bad boys of magic uh you start with a magic show and it gets interrupted and then you find out that it actually is becoming a reunion between two guys who used to work together but one of them disappointed the other greatly and it, they split yeah and he found life on the streets and drugs and hookers and alcohol and all of that stuff where and that was a character you related to right of course okay all right even though i'm straight edge and i've never touched that stuff yeah i know whatever that. um and then the other one went his way and started doing children's parties and lots and lots of children's parties it sounds like and then they get reunited at this show and we're not going to say how but they get reunited and i don't know is they there kind of have to make it work yeah for for our sake, yes. which was nice of them. Yeah, and and I agree, Mike. That the story they tell in the middle, what you know, I, I you know, I respect card magic, but it's not my favorite type of magic. I was watching what they were doing, just I, I was amazed at like how many things are they going to introduce to this routine and keep it all on track. It was just it was so impressive, and there's a couple of other things they do something near the end that we talked about afterwards if we were constantly trying to figure it out because it's so subtle and it's one of those magic tricks where you start the magic trick and you think you know what's going on and then five minutes later they do a reveal it was like 
holy crap, I didn't even see that coming. Like, there's several of those moments in that show. I really enjoyed this show. Yeah, and this is an adults-only magic show. Yeah. So if you're an adult and into magic, but you think that some of them are too sweet or nice or don't have that edge, this is the one for you. Um, there's swearing, there's dick jokes, there's alcohol that you can drink because um, that, that ties into one of the illusions. Yes, Definitely check these guys out. They're funny. And one of the, did you, I don't know if you read the description on the Fringe website, but it said you can see these guys at the Magic Castle, dot, 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 in line. Yes. And it was, it was just, that's <laughs> such a perfect description of, of the show. Yeah, that, this but. was a lot of fun. After that show, Russell, we saw a show called Blamed. And I and, blame you for my luck. Oh my God, no. Because Dude, I, I know, I know that was a bad joke. No, just... <laughs> No, you're cut off for, for five minutes. <laughs> I, I don't pull that off as well as you. Um, no, I, I was it, not. In, what, what I meant is I was not intending on seeing this show. And I went with you and I was able to pick up a ticket. And if you had seen this show and told me what it entailed, I would have skipped this show in a second. Because everything that you would describe in this show, I would not be into. With that being said... This is the most impressive show that I've seen at Fringe. Absolutely. Like, blown away. And by that silence, that's us being speechless. Yeah, I, um, I am so lucky that I just went with you to that theater and picked up a ticket for this. And it's funny because the description is actually darker than the show would lead you to believe it should be. <laughs> right, which is why I was interested in yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And and the story of the show is it, it's storytelling ugh, that doesn't even do it justice. You, you are witness to stories unfolding from mythology, from literature, from religion, and it's all stories where women have been blamed. Right, so there's... Eve from the famous Adam and Eve that you might know of. Um, there's Lilith and La Llorona. Um, Joan of Arc. Yep. Marie Antoinette. Pandora. That's all I can remember. Yeah, there's, <laughs> and it, it just, wow, it's, just, it's almost impossible to describe. I'm the, right from the beginning, you walk in and the cast is already on stage. And this is a very large cast of performers. Uh, the majority are women. There's a live band playing. Uh, the live band, by the way, is wonderful and perfectly suits the mood of this piece uh, and, and elevates it. Uh, there's a lot of dance. There's a lot of there's puppetry. There's pantomime. There's um, there's singing. There's storytelling. There's there are so many te techniques present in this piece and they all work seamlessly together. You know, my, I am so frustrated right now because I want to make this sound better than I am making it sound because I liked this show so much. I know exactly how you feel. That's what how I was when I was trying to write about it as well. You know, there there's so much good and there's so much, there's so much, so many different things that they're doing that complement one another. Yeah. And you mentioned the large cast and every cast member had their time to shine. Yeah. You know, whether it be reading a story or whether it be singing or dancing or puppetry or playing guitar at one point. And mm -hmm. it's there is so much talent on that stage, man. Ridiculous amounts of talent. Yeah. And one thing I, I also want to point to is this is not the story of women being blamed and the ill that they have brought into the world. It's pointing out how these stories are stuff that we've heard and we sometimes don't think to ponder the ramifications for the characters of the story of the women and the way this is presented, it's presented as storytelling. So this show from the beginning is about not embracing the negativity of what we have heard for years. It's about embracing the power of women to come together and create something because every piece is welcomed with encouragement and acknowledgement of the story and acknowledgement of the pain, but also of the power of what it means to come together to tell a story in the beginning. Like, this is powerful stuff. This company is wonderful. And, and uh, I don't know what else to say other than this is 
for me, the biggest surprise of this year's Fringe Festival and absolutely one of the most delightful, wonderful things I have seen. I 100% agree. Uh, one, one more thing I want to point out is because there's so many cast members on stage, there were dance routines where they ha- they have to weave in and out of people and it was done seamlessly. And when we left, I mentioned to you, like if this company enters the immersive arena, Los Angeles is in for a treat and a half. Oh, yeah. Because the things that they were able to do just as proscenium, if they... If those cast members were audience members and that was happening around them, Mm. like that's huge. Like that, that would be incredible to see. Since you have been talking about the company, Mike, I know you have it in front of you. What is the actual name of the theater company? It's La Habra Theater Guild. And I am going to keep an eye out for anything that they do in the future because after this show and what I saw and experienced, like I'm going to see whatever they do next. Yeah, I agree. And and I'd like to do an anecdotal thing here. During the show, there was a obviously a married couple. Um, how do I put this politely? Upwards in their years. <laughs> <laughs> During the middle of the show, the the woman leaned over and placed her head on the shoulder of her husband, and he reached over and he put his arm around her. And they embraced in the middle of this show because of the feeling coming from the stage. And I, I, we were not sitting together. We were sitting in different places. Thank God now. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I looked over to you because I was wondering if there was any way you could notice like the effect that it was having. And I don't know if you noticed this, but there was a couple sitting next to you. They were embracing. Okay. At the same time. But they, they were off to your right, the way you you were facing the stage. Your focus probably wasn't over there. Yeah. But I, I looked around and went like, there's literally people in this audience embracing each other because of the feeling that this production is inspiring in this audience. Dude, and that was the middle of the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's an incredible thing. Yeah. The power behind this was wonderful. Thank you, Fringe. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Fringe. Thank you, La Habra Theater Guild, for this gift. And then (laughs) we went from that to seeing a show about sex trafficking people and yeah. (laughs) Programming, sometimes it happens that way. Uh, We saw Christina Evans in Toys and it was a metaphorical look at the sex trafficking industry through the use of, or not the use of, but she plays like a Barbie doll at first and then you toy yeah then you understand what is really going on it's a really odd device and when the show started i i just it took me a moment to get into it because of the oddity that i was witnessing Mm -hmm. but wow is this powerful yeah and this is definitely probably the creepiest show we've seen at fringe yeah it it does have a creepiness factor that is um I, I want to say that this is not exploitative in any way, even though it's it's it represents sex trafficking and the damage that it can do to a person. Um, it's not exploitative. Um, it's mainly, I, I guess, a dance performance is how you would list this, a dance performance art piece. Mm-hmm. Very disturbing, very creepy, and um, almost silent. There are some surreal images on film that are used in the show, and there is a portion in the middle of the show, Mike, that when she began to vocalize, that was the moment for me that was just so horrifying. Yeah. The the ending dance number oh. that happened over and over and over again. And you this know... is really disturbing work and, and, and short and effective. This show is under 30 minutes. Right. And it doesn't need to be any longer. It, it makes its point with an amazing amount of grace and eloquence. Yeah, you start seeing the, you know, what her everyday life is in a way. <sighs> it, you know, at least to me, and it's like lather, rinse, repeat. Ooh. Here you go. Yeah, this is this is disturbing territory. And Christina Evans, the the creator and performer of this, um, uh, she's created something very unique. And at the end of the show, they give you. Um, information concerning how you can actually make a difference 
with donations uh, or time or effort. Uh, they give that information at the end of the show of, of how individuals who see the show can make a difference in this issue in the world. Yeah, and and do you ever put things, put shows together to make a story out of two different shows? Uh, I, I don't think I've done that this year, but yes, I understand what you mean. Because sometimes I'll do that, and I was thinking, if you saw this and then Apartment 8... Like that could almost apartment eight could almost be a sequel to this. Oh wow! And that would <laughs> ruin your night. That's interesting. That's interesting. And hey, emergency operation could be the first one. Wow. Yeah, like the you, night of broken, you, you, damaged hearts. Yeah, it's good to cry every once in a while, right? Uh, apparently. <laughs> After that really heavy subject matter, Mike, uh, I went and saw something which you had already seen: Dark Arts. Nice. So, I know that you liked this show. Mm -hmm. I think I had a different reaction to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I had a different reaction to this show than you did. I think it hit me in a very different level. I liked this show. I think the cast, the cast is really strong here. But my reaction was, I thought this was really uncomfortable to watch. Really? Yeah, and it, and it's because of you know to use to use the politically correct term our current social climate. This is the story of a firm, a company whose reputation is that they can get you or your company out of any crisis that has been created or has happened. So they're spin doctors. They uh, will take a situation that is going negatively and somehow crush your competition and put you back on top wherever that is for you. So watching this. The way people manipulate each other and the way people manipulate facts in this show to make a point or to achieve a goal, the way they manipulate the social media, the way they manipulate, oh, those pesky little things called facts, this was so uncomfortable for me because it just felt like it felt too real. Right. Well, it's probably happening. Oh, I'm sure it's happening. You know, this is a highly fictionalized story that gets wrapped up in an hour, but... Like this sort of manipulation of what we think and how we think it and how ideas are planted in our society, all of that's so topical right now and has been for the last two years or so. This thing is really hitting a nerve with me. And I really, really felt creepy and uncomfortable watching these people. However, when they get going and the verbal warfare starts and they start like throwing down and like, no, this is the way this is going to play. This is the way this is going to be manipulated. We're going to spin it this way and you're going down. All of those conversations, Mike, holy crap, were they just like fun and juicy. And it was like, oh, yeah. I kind of felt like I was watching a wrestling match a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, take him down, take him down. Yeah, it was just, it's such a weird feeling to walk out of the show and like, yeah, that was funny. And it made me realize that real life is not really fun right now in certain ways. So I, I think that's really a high compliment, actually. <laughs> if that's how you want to spin it. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, yes, that is how I want to spin my response to the show is that it was a very positive thing because it was. And again, I think the entire cast is strong here and... You know, it's it's funny they hit stereotypes without being stereotypes, if that makes sense. Yeah. The the you know the politician you are going to hate by the end and oops, I guess it was a little mild mild spoiler there, but um, the government agents or employees who are just there for their job title and they really don't care that much, and whoever gets trampled or bulldozed over in the process doesn't matter. So all of that really rang with a really creepy vibe for me. And I think that is where the comedy comes from. And there's some verbal sparring in this thing that is really fun to listen to. And there's actually a heartfelt story buried underneath it, too. <laughs> Which was the main point of it. <laughs> I got that. I got that there was like a whole relationship story going on, too. But I just reacted heavily to everything that was around it. So, so yes, I, I do recommend Dark Hearts. Oh, uh, and on that same night, you saw something which I'm really curious to hear about because I saw it in the Fringe Guide and I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. Yeah, I saw Bonnie and Clyde. Okay. <laughs> the tale of Bonnie and Clyde, I assume. Yeah. And what this was, it was their last 
you know, 12 hours or last day or so um, before their car got shot up and you were at their home or the place they're staying at least. And it's just Bonnie and Clyde having conversations about everything that's going on and how Bonnie is yearning for love and Clyde is kind of like, whatever, Hmm. you know, and you can tell that they love each other and Bonnie just wants some affection, but Clyde is more worried about eating his beans and peaches or getting mad at the copycats, the the people that got murdered by another gang that they said were done by Bonnie and Clyde. Right. And it, it's it was an interesting look. And the one thing I really liked about this show was towards the end of the show, they, they're still having this conversation, but then... Clyde steps away and has a, a monologue describing the last few minutes of what happened. Oh, wow. And it's so powerful because you see Bonnie in the background, you know, and she's, you know, pretty and done up and, and you have Clyde and he's like, and then the first bullet came here and then the second bullet hit me and, you know, and it's just like, it's oh, it makes you... I don't know. It just it, it it makes you sad, even though they were criminals. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like you you kind of want to root for them. I mean, a lot of people root for them. That's why they still live on to this day, right? Um, but you know, hearing it from from that that actual point of view, like kind of like a ghost telling you it, right? Man, that 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 worked. Wow, I'm I'm really curious about this. Yeah, it was really really good. Bonnie was played by Claire Bronchick and Clyde was played by Joel Sutton. And both of these actors were so good in their roles. And I'm excited to see if they do something else because they, it was, it was a powerful performance by both of them. Glad you enjoyed it. Thanks. I'm glad I enjoyed it too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then we met up again. Mm hmm. And we saw another magic show. Yes. And we saw Name This Magic Show. And what's the premise of Name This Magic Show, Russell? Well, Mike, Name This Magic Show is a competition between four magicians, or actually three magicians, and one magician is chosen each performance as an MC. And they have a very friendly competition, and the prize is they get to name the magic show. And the money that was made that day. Right, which the running joke was that it was tens of dollars, <laughs> So because it's such a small house. Uh, but packed, enthusiastic crowd when we saw this. Mike, you and I have seen three of these performers live before. Yes. Uh, particularly uh, Nick Paul. Mm-hmm. We saw who... him last year at Fringe, who is silent. He does not speak. Yes. Which I'm going to make a joke about later. So remember that. Spoiling. (laughs) That was a spoiler. No, it's not. That was a spoiler. You spoiled our own podcast. How did I spoil it? You said that you were going to like uh, say a joke. Because it's so subtle, people might not understand it's Uh, a joke. Okay. All right. Yes, Nick Paul, uh, we saw an entire show with him uh, with only music. He never speaks. Mm -hmm. It was was a wonderful, beautiful routine that he did last year. It was really nice to see him. And uh, also, I know someone that you and I saw last year. As well. Simon Cornell. Yes. Yeah, it's not a spoiler because don't look at me like that. He won the the, the t- night we won. It's in the past. I wasn't looking show, at you like spoiler. I was looking each at show is different, Russell. <laughs> so yes, uh, Simon Cornell, who is amazing, and um, someone who that you and I were both aware of, named Handsome Jack. Mm-hmm. That I don't think either of us had ever seen perform live. Have you? Correct. Yeah, no. I haven't seen him perform live either. I, was, I know who he is. And then it was emceed at our particular show by John Armstrong. Who we talked about a couple shows ago. Who does have a show in the Fringe Festival of his own, and it's definitely worth checking out. This was a lot of fun. It really was. It was like a sampler platter of magicians. You got to see something from everybody. Even though one, even though John Armstrong was the host, he would still do a few things to, to warm up the crowd. And, and then once the competition started, each magician would do their own trick. And then we got to vote mm-hmm. on, I guess, an app that Simon Coronel made. Yeah. And that was another running joke. Is there nothing that guy cannot do? <laughs> Seriously. Yeesh. Wow. And so what happens is when you, you, uh, when you vote, you have your phone. And you go to a website and they update it with the the names and you can click on the names and that counts as a vote. And it's live tallied right in front of you. And 
whoever wins the first round gets to choose who goes first, second, and third the next round. And then that's the bigger performance. Mm -hmm. And if you win that round, you get to name the magic show and then you win the whole thing. Now, here's the thing that I loved about this, Mike, and you use the term sampler platter. Mm -hmm. That's the cool thing is all of these guys have very different styles. Yeah. So that was wonderful of seeing, having the chance to see four really, really talented magicians, all of them different styles, working the same audience. It was like, it was so fun to see how they handled the crowd differently. Oh, yeah. And it was that good that I would love to see each of their full shows as the competition. Oh, yeah. Like absolutely. spend like five hours at a, <laughs> at a theater to see that happen. I would so be down for that. I would so absolutely see this again. You know, if we could fit it in the schedule, I would see this again immediately. Oh, of course. Yeah, this is this was a lot of fun. And then I do want to mention the last trick. Oh, yeah. Because once we had a winner, which was Simon Cornell, they did a trick under the name that he chose, which was, I think, three and a half men fooled Penn and Teller. Yes. And because they're all on Fool Us on Penn and Teller. They split up. So there was two on each side. So they were doing the same trick. Uh, so you didn't, it's not like you, you missed out. Right. And that trick is mind blowing. So good. It, it's one of those magical moments at a show where you literally have that moment of, I just witnessed something that is physically impossible to do. <laughs> That's every magic show ever, I, man. No, I mean like, like, but that was like, no, like that is impossible because physically there is no way what I just saw can happen. Right. It defies the laws of nature. And I love those moments. Yeah. And that was a really strong one. It was so good. Yeah. That was, that's, uh, th this is show is so much fun. If you enjoy magic, highly recommend this. And now my Nick Paul joke. Yes. So they, they told us that they draw straws out back to see who gets to MC the show because I guess no one wants to MC the show because then they are not in the running for the tens of dollars that they could win. Right. And, we mentioned that Nick Paul does not speak. Mm -hmm. So what happens if Nick Paul draws the shortest straw and he's the MC? Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good question. I kind of actually want to see that happen. I, me too. I would love to see that happen. Because I'm guessing he would have cue cards or something and I, just hold oh. them up. That would be awesome as him doing the cue card stuff that he does, yeah. which is really humorous. It's just like, I really like him. Like he's such a charming entertainer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now we went our separate ways at that point. <laughs> Thank God we needed a break, man. <laughs> and you went and saw something which I think I have found a way to actually fit this into the rest of my schedule. Oh, like, awesome. I think I figured this out how to do this. And I'm curious to hear what you thought of it. Oh my God. I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. One of the things about Fringe that I've noticed this year is there's a lot of historical point of view type of things that mm -hmm. I've seen. Uh, I just mentioned Bonnie and Clyde. And now this one, An Evening with John Wilkes Booth, same thing. I was so enthralled with this show. I, I'm comparing this to a show we saw last year called A Regular Little Houdini. Which Be is probably my favorite show of last year. Which was a one-man show, but the exhilaration he had the powerful movements and the powerful speech he had like just like he captivated everyone in that theater steven spiegel did the same thing as john wilkes booth it was incredible the same sort of energy <clears throat> like i am him right now i am john wilkes booth like that's who i saw i didn't see an actor i saw him wow like it was that good uh, he told his side of the story and I made a joke with you after I saw the show because we met up after this and I said have you ever seen a show where it's supposed to be about someone you're not supposed to like but the acting is so good mm -hmm. that you now you kind of like them yeah that's what happened like we're all supposed to hate John Wilkes Booth because he shot Lincoln mm -hmm. but hearing his side of the story through this performance I don't know, man. <laughs> like, I might be a, a fan now. Wow. Because it, it's like, it's, you know, he went into it just, you know, I'm doing this for my country. I'm standing up for what I believe in. Right. You know, he didn't see it as, 
as a murder. He saw it as a necessity. And, you know, and it's really interesting because he would talk about his family and a family of actors and how he was an actor as well. And, and just the kind of like the going back and forth between family and the things that were happening in the, in the States at the time. Hmm. And this sounds uh, fascinating. It, it really was like, I think you're, you're really going to enjoy this. Cool. Um, and I learned a fun fact Ford's theater used to be a church. Wow. I don't think I knew that. I didn't know that either. I don't know much though. So it's easy to say that. <laughs> well, I think me. you know a lot. And then we lightened the mood a bit. Yes, for something I was so excited to see. That's interesting because actually, I got to admit, I was just curious. I what? wasn't excited. Oh I my, come curious. on. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. We saw Airplane Live, which mm-hmm. was a re, it was a stage performance of the movie Airplane. And if you've never seen Airplane, pause this right now and go watch it. Yeah, seriously. Because it's one of the greatest parody movies of all time. And what Airplane Live is, is almost a Rocky Horror picture show type of feel. Right. Where the audience comes and they encourage you to shout out the lines if you know them, because there's a ton of memorable lines. Yes. So the reason I said I I didn't have quite the excitement that you did is I wasn't sure going into this. I, I had the question in my head of why would you stage the movie Airplane live on stage? It just didn't. Why is the sky blue, Russell? (laughs) Uh, It didn't grab me. Uh, But when we got into it, what I... Why do you hate fun? It's it's not that I hate fun. It's I just question it sometimes. Um, But no, I I, I just had this this question in my head of like, what exactly are... Like, what's what's the point, sort of? And then as soon as the show started, it was like, oh, like, this is a love letter to Airplane. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, this thing was done out of love and homage and admiration. And they... They tweaked it just enough. Yeah, they added some updates to make it more current. And what they do is so genius. It's so funny. Especially for the the talking part. Yes. That needs translation. <laughs> yes. And if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. But that gets updated and it's so good. Yeah. And, and the line, you know, I speak something. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> brought down the house because it's so completely appropriate to today. And uh, the references to other movies were thrown in uh, really goofy, goofy uh, takes on the flashbacks and on the dance stuff from airplane. Like they, they touch on all of the iconic moments, but they tweak it just enough that this is obviously done out of love and fun. And I just smiled through this entire damn thing. Yeah. And I heard you, speak up a couple times. Oh yeah, I was saying so. the lines here and there. <laughs> um, but I was really really bummed at one point. Why? Cuz in the beginning of the show there's characters that are roaming around and they ask certain people questions. Yes. And they didn't ask me and I was so ready and I wanted to say, "No thanks, I gave it the office." Right. But nobody in the crowd said it. <laughs> And I looked at you and I was like, this isn't even an airplane crowd. No one said it. Even the woman that was like reciting all the lines didn't say it. Yeah. And she brought out, gave him a dollar. It's like, come on. Yeah. But next time. But this is, this is something that I could see happening like, you know, once a month or once a week. Oh yeah. This is. Everyone goes and it just has fun. And yeah, this is a, this is a goofy good time for sure. Absolutely. And another show that actually, I think this could have been bigger and longer. (laughs) <laughs> don't 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 say it <laughs> don't, don't, don't we're say talking it. about airplane and yes. you expect me not to say it <laughs> come on surely you can't be serious oh really stop nothing calling, stop calling me Shirley. no that's not the line <laughs> yes i am being serious I'm oh stop that's not me the, just stop that's <laughs> not the line anyway oh my god i've disappointed mike once again <sighs> Moving on, sir. What, what movie would you like to see have to be done this way? Wow, I'd have to think about that. Because they actually did the one that would immediately come to mind. They've already done, and that's Young Frankenstein. Mm. So, Which I, I went to with a chip on my shoulder, and it won me over. Oh, shocker. Yeah, You went was... into something hating it. It's like, what? Oh, no, this is quite... stupid. <laughs> why, why are they doing this a movie? Me? <laughs> I'm usually the open-minded one. Hmm. So, But uh, no, I, yeah, Young Frankenstein, when I finally saw it, it did win me over. Because it is just so fun. And But uh, no, that's the movie, I think, that, that 
I don't know. I'd have to think about that. All right. Let us know. Okay. So then after that, we went over to see a show called The Birthing Pit. Yeah. (laughs) What was that? Wow. There's a lot going on in this show. Yeah. (laughs) And I didn't expect it. The description is that it is a gothic romance during the time of the Revolutionary War. But there's so much more to this than that. There really is. I mean, I mean, this is to me, this is this unfolded as a mystery. Yeah. There's some political intrigue. Turns into horror. It turns into horror. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, There's there's something about the couple. I I wouldn't say that it's a romantic drama, but the 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 relationship of the couple that you spend the first portion of the show with is so interesting in the fact that he's a man who's caught up in completely devoured by his work and he's withholding information from his wife because he's trying to protect her from something. And that, that leads to the mystery and the unraveling information that I just referred to. But it's really interesting because as you get those conversations you find out that the woman, the wife, is so frustrated in her relationship because she feels she can't communicate with her husband. So just the fact that these two people are not communicating unravels so much mischief and so much bad stuff that literally if two people had just stopped and said, wait a minute, I love you, let's be honest, this this would be a very different show. Well, it's funny because... I just, we just talked about Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. While I was watching The Birthing Pit, I there were so many similarities. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, not, obviously not yeah. like, you know, like that, but the fact that there was a frustrated woman mm-hmm. that just wanted her husband's attention or, yeah. her, you know, not Bonnie and Clyde weren't married. Well, right. they were they, kind of, not really, but, <laughs> um, but they, they had just, a thing. they just wanted that attention they just wanted affection they just wanted to know that they are loved right and that happened in this yeah and the reference is she she makes about the man i met the man i fell in love with that's the guy i wish was here right now yeah and there was one part towards the end or maybe it was the middle where it's kind of like a flashback yeah and I've, you know, and it's obviously open to interpretation, but it could be that he was reading something. It could have been a fever dream. It could have been his life flashing before his eyes. You know, it could have been all of those things. Absolutely. It could have been any of those. Yeah. Man, that part, like just bam, 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 like one memory after another mm-hmm. oh, it killed me. Yeah. Because you, you're now seeing it through tragic perspective mm-hmm. and it's like, oh my God, look what they lost. And when that scene ended, if that was the end of the show, I would have left wrecked. Yeah. And as an, like for like an emotional impact, you could end the show right there. Oh, interesting. And like, and that's just, very interesting. Boom. Mike. I'm that would, it would be a completely different show. It would be completely different. Yeah. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's really, that's a really interesting observation. Yeah. Because like as soon, like when the lights went down, when, this is not a spoiler because you can probably guess that he's crying. Yes. But like when the lights go down on him sobbing, it was just like, oh my God. Like, okay, I'm done. (laughs) Nobody wins at that point. Yeah. (laughs) But more happens. Yes. And that portion of the story, uh, very dense, very interesting, open to huge amounts of interpretation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you don't really quite, uh, I don't want to say too much. Yeah, it's kind of hard because anything does, you say. Well, you, when you said you know, it goes into horror territory, what happens is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is dark stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I was very surprised by this because um, I don't think of gothic horror or gothic romance going into this darker territory usually. I'm glad it did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> very interesting. And um, yeah. The lesson, you know, that I took away from it is, you know, you see what love can do to you and what you'll do for love. Wow, what you do for a lot. Yeah. Because what he does. It's a bold choice. Yeah. <laughs> Very bold choice. Uh, and, and, and another thing that I saw along with that was just the, the fact that even if you're trying to protect someone by being dishonest, dishonesty may not be the best choice. Right. 
And that goes for both of them. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of ended on a really downer note. <laughs> I mean, should we talk about something that's not down but is down? Uh, sure. We, we've been playing Friday the 13th on PS4. <laughs> and I'm finding that I truly am a newbie to gaming. Well, here's the fun thing. So basically every night after Fringe, we'll get home at like midnight or one in the morning. It's like, do you want to play? Like we'll text each other and we play but it's important because it's horror and it's something that we're doing and it's technically in, involves fringe so it's research it, it makes sense it's research yeah really <laughs> so if you have a ps4 and you have friday the 13th which is new rele- newly released um let us know and we can get a game together we can get a my haunt life game going oh that's very funny so message us what your gamer tag is or email us um mine is x fed up x uh russell's is scary, scary Russ lives. lives um add us and we'll play and we'll kill each other <laughs> and it'll be awesome which mike is doing a lot to me these days and if russell is jason we'll be able to start both cars and the boat and call tommy and call the cops okay don't rub it in <laughs> i'm just kidding you're getting better <laughs> i'm slowly i'm really slowly getting better so but i i just like this, this it's funny because we've we've talked on other podcasts in the past about gaming uh to some degree and i am very new to it dude the controller does not feel natural in my hands it just doesn't i'm not gonna make a joke about what does feel natural <laughs> in your hand though <laughs> but you know it's just like uh the con- I, I keep fumbling what to hit to strike i keep fumbling how to pick up something you know i just I just, I feel like I'm very, very awkward and fumbling. It's practice. This is your first video game console, right? Yeah. Yeah, so. And this is literally the first game that I'm heavily playing with that controller because I've been playing Farpoint. Right. (laughs) Farpoint's incredible. That's, if you, if anyone else has uh, PSVR and Farpoint, let's play co-op. Oh, Farpoint is amazing. Just, it's such a beautiful universe. Yeah, like, it gets to a point where I need to find more people to play with because whenever Russell and I play co-op... I can turn around and see his character like looking at the sky and then hearing him say, this is just so beautiful. And like, we're supposed to be killing aliens. Come on. And I was like, Mike, Mike, did you notice the, the, like the, the characters of the architecture over here to the right? Did you like, isn't that amazing detail? And Mike is like, Russell, Russell, get over here. You need to learn how to use that sniper, the precision rifle. Yeah, I haven't gotten there yet in the story because we keep playing (laughs) co-op. And Friday the 13th. You keep distracting me. But no, uh, I'm I'm having a good time and I'm slowly but surely learning stuff. Yeah. That's all good. And if anyone else has any tips for Russell or games he should get. (laughs) No, like I'm I'm being serious because like. That's very kind. um, Email him at russell at myhauntlife.com. Or you can reach Mike at. Mike at myhauntlife.com. That might have been the smoothest way we've ever gotten into the contact info. <laughs> um, but before we actually finish, we should point out that f- the Hollywood Fringe Festival is still going on for another week. And a lot of times, most of these shows will get extensions. Um, so if you've heard about a show that, that you like uh, from us talking about it or you read something we wrote about, make sure to check the Fringe website. And chances are a show will be getting extended. Yeah, they Uh, have not announced extensions yet, but I know that is their intention to extend some of them. Right. We've heard some rumors about some, so um, make sure you check if there's something you're interested in. Keep an eye on out out for it. Uh, And you can find all of that information at hollywoodfringe.org. So have fun and see something. Experiment. That's what Fringe is about. Definitely. So that's it, man. That's it. Yeah. We gave you the contact info because I don't want to ruin that smoothness. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, find us on the web at myhauntlife.com and all the social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at myhauntlife. You can leave us a text or voicemail on the haunt line, 515-HAUNT-LA. With that being said, I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. See ya. Yes, uh, Charlatan Secrets of the Victoria. <laughs> Take two. Charlatan Secrets of the Victorian <laughs> Take three. Charlatan. Wait. <laughs> Take four. Charlatan Secrets of the Victorian Psychics. So that that closed my night that night. That closed my evening that night. Wait, no. That... Take three. That was the end of my evening. All right, now we can really end. <laughs>